emphasis that we have on truth and on doctrine and on theology. Some say, I don't want to study theology. I just want to study the Bible. And usually these people also say things like, like no creed but Christ. No creed but the Bible. Only the words of the Bible. Which, of course, no creed but Christ is a creed. That is a statement, a confession. But this idea, this objection that we hear is what we call a false dichotomy. It's, take, it's put, pitting two things against each other that, that are not against each other. They're not at odds against each other. They don't want to study theology. They say they just want to study the Bible. That's a false dichotomy. The problem with this, the problem with this statement, this thinking, is that so much of the Bible is theology. It is theological statement. The Bible is not opposed to theology. Theology is not something different from the Bible. But rather, the Bible is theology. Whenever we open the Bible and we read it, we are doing theology. Also, how many times have I heard, maybe you've heard this one as well, I don't need any theology. All I need to know is Jesus. But as, as soon as I ask you the question, who, who is Jesus? Once you make one statement, one, one word of response, you're doing theology. You can simply say, Jesus is Lord. And that assumes a whole world of theology in that one simple statement. Who is Jesus? Is he God? Is he man? Who is God? What does it mean to be man? All of these things, all of these things require theology. They're theological statements. And so you see, even in just looking at these two objections, you can see that it's not a question as to whether we are going to have a theology. And it's not a question of whether we're going to do theology. Everybody has a theology. Everybody has a theology. The question is whether your theology is going to be true, whether it's going to be sound theology. You may also hear objections like, I'm not interested in, I'm, I, am, I am not interested in truth. I'm interested in love. We hear this so often from the world especially with our subjective culture. I'm not interested in the truth. I'm interested in love. But we can respond to that and say, the truth is what teaches us what love is. And it is truth which actually grows us up in love. You can't truly love people unless you truly know God and love God. You can also hear objections like, you Reformed Christians care too much about truth and not enough about people. It's a similar objection. But again, truth is for people. Truth is meant to make their lives better. Truth is meant to, meant to improve human lives and show them the way of eternal life. Finally, the last objection is this, and we may hear this more perhaps from our charismatic brothers and sisters. They say things like, I want to have the Spirit not doctrine, not, not words. You reform Christians that you quench the Spirit. I want the Spirit. But listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 37. Paul writes this. He says, If anyone thinks himself to be spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you 
are the Lord's commandments. If you think you're spiritual, do theology. Listen to the truth. Read the truth. Read doctrine. Read the words, the commandments. This is what Paul says. Being spiritual, again, it's not opposed to theology. Well, this afternoon, I want to show you why theology matters, and we're going to define what theology is. So by way of introduction, still some further introduction, I want us to lay a, uh, an exegetical framework for def- so that we can then define theology. Let's look at two texts in particular. If you would, t- turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And we'll be looking at verses 25 through 30. And what we see, Matthew, what, he, what Matthew does for us here is really Matthew takes us in this passage to the school of Christ. And Christ here teaches us theology. Let's read Matthew chapter 11, picking up in verse 25. In that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In here, in these these verses here, we can divide this, this section into two into two main sections here. In verses 25 to 27, really Jesus is offering a formal thanksgiving to God. He's offering a prayer and a praise to God. And in verses 28 through 30, the second half, Jesus gives us an exhortation. He's he's calling us to come to him. But we see in these verses that Jesus says that these things, there are certain things which are hidden from the learned and the prudent and the wise. These are the the educated. These are the, the schooled people. And these things have been revealed to babes. They've been revealed to children. This can include the less educated, maybe the less mature. This includes, no doubt, literally children. God, had, God reveals these things to children. And it includes those who have a, a childlike faith in Christ. But, but what are these things? And this is the point. What are these things? These things are truth. It's doctrine. It's theology. It's Christ's teaching. And this is all Jesus tells us, that, that him hiding them from the wise and revealing them to babes, all of this is according to the providence of God. Jesus says, even so, Father, For so it seemed good in your sight. You see, brothers and sisters, this is the way of the kingdom. And we're going to be considering this some in the next hour. But this is the way of the kingdom. 
There's something about the kingdom of God which is upside down according to the world's standards and expectations. But in these verses here, let me, let me draw your attention to four things from this text that deal that are most relevant with our topic here of theology. First, I want you to notice God's theology. Second, our theology. Third, we will look at briefly the divine human mediator of theology. And finally, the promise or the, the goal and the promise of theology. So first, as an observation here, let's look at God's theology. God is a theologian. Did you know that? God is the supreme theologian. Jesus says that no one knows the Son except the Father. And he says, no one knows the Father except the Son. We can include here also um, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says that the Spirit, the Spirit searches the deep things of God. We get the idea here that there's an exclusive knowledge of God that only God has. There's an exclusive theology that God has. It's a supreme knowledge. No one knows God like God knows God. He knows all things, including himself. He knows all things perfectly, comprehensively, infinitely. So here we're taught that God is the supreme theologian. But in the second place, we see that, there, that we have a theology. We notice our theology. Look with me at verse 27, towards the end of the verse. He says, Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. No one has access to this true theology unless God reveals it, and the one to whom it is revealed. God reveals theology to us. Now, we need to be careful here because our theology is not the same as God's theology. We just said that God has a comprehensive knowledge of himself. It's an infinite knowledge of himself. But we are mere finite creatures and the, and the finite cannot comprehend the infinite. But nevertheless... We see in our text that God reveals something of a copy, something of a copy of his theology to us, to whomever the Son wills to reveal him. God stoops down, as it were, and he makes himself the object of our knowing. We know God. We can study him. We can know him truly. We can know him savingly. Calvin says something like that God speaks to us in a lisp. He speaks to us in little babble, baby talk, so that we can understand. God has revealed something of a copy of his own knowledge of himself to us. But notice in the third place, verse 29, the divine human mediator of theology. Look at verse 29. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We must learn this true theology from Christ. Our true theology, it's mediated to us from God, through Christ to us, through the God-man to us. How is it that humans can know God? It is only through 
the Christ. The Son wills to reveal him. We learn from the Son. You see, no one reveals God but God. And God reveals through the Son. John in chapter 1 in his prologue, you'll remember with me, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. He has ex, uh, exegeted Him. He's, he's made Him known to us. It's only through the Christ that we come to know God truly. You see, Christ as the mediator, Christ speaks from God as God to men as a man. He is the divine human mediator of theology. And so, too, from this, we, we, we learn from this that you must be a disciple of Christ to be a true theologian. There are no theologians, no true theologians, who are not disciples of Christ. We can say that positively, that every disciple of Christ is a theologian. How can you follow Christ as a disciple? As a theologian, if you do not learn from him, he says, you must learn from me. Lastly, we see the, the promise of theology in these few verses. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. This, is, this rest is what we all long for. It's what we all search after. And really, everything in our life is, is a, it's a searching after. It's a working and striving after, a chasing after rest in your studies, in your working, in your daily lives, you want, you are working to obtain a rest at the end. In every one of our endeavors, you're searching for some rest, some accomplishment, some accomplishment and a goal. But Jesus says, I will give you ultimate rest. This is the promise. Brothers and sisters, this is the promise of true theology. It's the rest of knowing God, of loving God. It's the rest of living for God in this life, and finally in glory, enjoying Christ, enjoying God, seeing God with Him forever. And really, this is what it means to be truly human. We know this. Augustine says in his Confessions, that thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. This is the promise of theology. Well, I hope that that's a helpful starting spot. I want to look at one text. We'll do it very briefly. If you would, also turn with me in first, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're, we're getting closer here now to a definition of theology. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Pick up with me at the end of verse 2. Yes, 1 Timothy chapter 6, at the end of verse 2, Paul says to Timothy, teach and exhort these things. There's those two words again, right? These things. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. And he says, from such 
withdraw yourself. Here, just again, a few observations. The first thing we read in, at the end of verse 2 is, teach. Teach what? And he says, teach these things. What are these things? Paul is saying here, teach these things which I've taught you. Not just everything that precedes in the letter to Timothy here, but teach, teach everything that I've taught you in the ministry, in, in the course of my ministry that you've been with me. You've heard the teaching, what Paul calls the teaching, the, the, the pattern of sound words. He calls it the treasure. In short, Paul is saying, teach sacred doctrine or sacred truth. Teach theology. But he doesn't just say, teach these things. He says, exhort these things. Paul tells Timothy not only to teach, that is to inform the mind or to inform the intellect, to exposit and to explain the truth and the doctrine, but he says you must exhort these things. Exhortation moves the will. And exhortation is aimed at the will. It's a call to do something. It's a call to duty. It's a, it's a call to action. And so Paul says, teach and exhort these things. Teach and exhort theology. Truth not only informs the intellect or the mind, but it also informs, it must inform our emotions and our wills. All of this is to say that these things, that is doctrine, truth, Theology must inform our minds, which as a result informs our actions. It results in practice. It results in practical living. Theology is theoretical. We could say it's speculative. It, it concerns knowledge. But theology, by definition here, by definition, it is also practical concerning your life, concerning your actions. Our practice, the way that we live, the way that we live is the fruit of our thinking. It's the fruit of our doctrine. So Paul says to teach and exhort these things. These things he sums up in these words. Theology is doctrine according to godliness. That's a short definition from Paul. What theology is, it is doctrine according to godliness. It's theoretical and it's practical. And that's what we see from Paul here in these verses. Well, I hope you can begin to see now from Matthew chapter 11 and 1 Timothy 6 why truth matters. Theology matters. True theology is doctrine according to godliness. And true theology, we saw from Matthew 11, it gives us rest. True theology leads to godliness, and godliness, godliness leads to to life. Without holiness, the author of Hebrews says, without holiness, without godliness, no one shall see the Lord. This is so practical for us. Just in that alone, we can see how theology is so important and it's so useful. There is a, a glorious end and a purpose and a promise to our theology. It leads to God himself. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. True theologians shall see God. Well, we've considered some of what Jesus and Paul teach about theology. We see that theology is a, it's about God. 
It's communicated from God through Christ, and also it leads us back to God. It produces godliness without which no one will see the Lord. True theology promises godliness, and true theology promises rest. Really, as we said, true theology promises us God. Well, now I think we're in a position to define theology. I want to give you a few definitions of theology that I think will be helpful for you. And now we can begin now to more specifically answer those two questions. What is theology and why does it matter? Well, first, you may, you may, you may know this, but theology, right, it's a combination of two words. Theos and logos. God and word. Theologia. This word, theology, then it means a word of God, or it could be a word about God. In short, we could say that it's God's word. Theology is, is God's speech. It's a word from God, about God, which leads us back to God. Bonaventure, a medieval theologian, he says this, Holy Scripture is called theology. This is Bonaventure's definition of theology. Sacred page, Holy Scripture, is sacred doctrine, is theology. If theology, as we just said, means God's speech, then it's fair to say that theology is the Holy Scripture. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6, right, that all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is inspired. It's, it's God's words. We get a clear, clear idea here that everything contained in our theology is contained in the Holy Scriptures. Our theology is founded on the Scriptures. And actually, theology is contained in the Scriptures. And actually, it's, it's confined to what the Scriptures say. And this is exactly what our confession says. The 1689 London Baptist Confession, this is exactly what it says. Chapter 1. The whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life is either expressly set down or necessarily contained in the Holy Scriptures. This is what we confess. It says the whole counsel of God is expressly set down or necessarily contained in the Bible. And what else is the whole counsel of God but theology? Theology is expressly set down or necessarily contained in the Bible. Another, uh, actually, post-Reformation um, theologian, he defines theology this way, and I want to spend a little bit of time on this. Short statement, but a lot, lot, lot in it. Franciscus Junius, he defines theology this way. Theology is wisdom concerning divine matters. Theology is wisdom concerning divine matters. What does this mean? Well, first he says theology is wisdom. Why is it called wisdom? Because it includes knowledge and it includes action. It includes a deliberation uh, decision-making. It includes judging, and it includes action. This is what wisdom entails. 
Wisdom exercises our mind and our will. And we just got done saying this, that theology is doctrine according to godliness, the mind and the will. Wisdom includes knowledge and practice. We could say that it's theoretical, including the mind, and it's practical. Let me just illustrate this for a second. I, I hope this is helpful. When we, we, you can consider with me a, an architect or a builder, somebody who's designing a building. He certainly has, this man or woman certainly has knowledge of, about physics and mathematics. This person has knowledge about different types of building materials, different types of tools to, to accomplish and to set out to accomplish a goal of building this building. But when he sets out to design the building, we say that, we say that this architect, this builder is wise. He's a wise man. His knowledge is the basis of his practice to go and build this building. And so we say he's wise. We can compare this simply maybe to just perhaps a, a, a laborer. That all this man is doing is just hammering in nails. The builder says hammer in this nail and he, he hammers it in. You, comparatively, you wouldn't say that that man is wise compared to the builder who is using knowledge to, to, to work an outcome here. That that man, the architect, is a wise man. And so theology here, as wisdom, it's both, it's both theoretical and it's practical. But Junius says that theology is wisdom concerning divine matters. And there's a whole bunch packed into that, those two words, divine matters. Why is this the wisdom of divine matters? It's the wisdom of divine matters in three different ways. First, it's divine because the object of this wisdom, the object of this knowledge is divine. It's God. It's a knowledge of God. This includes God who is divine because we, theology is the study of God. But also it includes this, this, this knowledge of, or wisdom of divine matters. It includes all things in relation to God. We study all things in relation to God in theology. Theology is the wisdom of divine matters, which includes all things, because all things have a relation to God. What does Paul say? But, but all things are from him, through him, and to him. Every single thing that exists has a relation to God. And therefore, theology has something to say about everything. Theology is the wisdom concerning divine matters, which is God and all things in relation to God. But it's also the wisdom of divine matters because the method, listen to me, the method of doing theology is divine. We saw this from Matthew 11, that there is a divine human mediator of theology. The method of theology is divine. God communicates theology to us through Christ in his word. We come to understand theology and to grow in theology through the word of God and by the spirit of God. Theology comes to us in a divine method, in a divine way. But again, the third thing, this is the wisdom concerning divine matters because the goal is divine. Theology's goal is divine. It's our, it's our eternal blessedness with God 
for God's own glory. Junius writes, he says, God is, God is wisdom's goal. God is theology's goal. And that glimpse of God himself is saving and filled with glory toward which we strive with this wisdom as our guide. The goal of theology is God. There's a children's catechism, I'm sure you are familiar with. Who made you? God. What else did God make? All things. Why did not God make you in all things? For his own glory. You see, all things are from him, through him, and to him. Theology has something to say about everything. So we agree with Junius that theology is wisdom concerning divine matters because the object of theology is divine, the method of theology is divine, and the goal of theology is divine. And you can begin to see how theology by this definition, this very short definition, is again so practical. Theology matters in our everyday lives. Why? Because you are from God. Because all things are from God and to God. You see, as I said already, this is a major point. I, I hope you understand this. I really, I, I really do. I, I hope you come away thinking about this today. That theology, theology has something to say about everything. Theology doesn't say everything about everything. But theology has something to say about everything. All of our life, all of our thoughts, all of our thinking, they must be ordered to God. What has God said to us in his word? How are we to think about certain things? How are we to use certain things in our lives? Our relationships, our money, our bodies, all the things that God has provided for us and made are, are from God. Theology has something to say about everything. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. This is why we go to God. We go to hear from God in his word. We come to hear from God on the Lord's day, to hear his word preached, to, to hear theology preached. And it teaches us how to live for God. And it teaches us how to get God. We get God in theology. We have a promise to see him forever, to enjoy him forever. Two other brief definitions. William Ames, he writes that, he says that theology is doctrine, is the doctrine of living for God. It's the doctrine. It's truth. But it's, it's the doctrine of living. It's practical for God. Petrus von Maastricht, a Dutch theologian, he kind of expands this. I like his definition better. Theology is the doctrine of living for God through Jesus Christ. Well, that's a Christian definition. William Ames is obviously a Christian, but now that's a Christian definition. It's, it's, it's the doctrine of living for God through Christ, the God-man, the only mediator between God and men. With these definitions, you can, you can see what they're trying to say. They're trying to, they are agreeing with Paul that theology is Doctrine according to godliness. They were agreeing with him. And they're saying that theology is both theoretical and practical. 
doctrine according to godliness. Listen briefly to what Ames writes. He says, men live to God when they live in accord with the will of God, to the glory of God, with God working in them. The revealed will of God ought to be the rule of our life. It's the doctrine of living for God through Christ. Calvin, I want to, Calvin in his catechism, he, he has a question, and Calvin wrote, wrote a lot, but Calvin um, wrote his own catechism. He says, one of the questions is this, listen, what is the true and right knowledge of God? He says, when we know him, in order that we may honor him. It's the same thing that William Ames and, and, and Petrus von Maastricht are saying. We could rephrase Calvin's catechism question this way. What is theology? When we know him, in order that we may honor him. It's the doctrine, it's the right knowing of God, so that for the purpose of, with the result that, we live for God. That's what they're all saying. You can't say, you, you can't say that you have a true and a right knowledge of God if you don't live like it. Because theology is practical. You can't say that you really understand theology if you don't live to God, if you don't honor God. But let me put it this way, more positively. If you are truly honoring God, then you do have a true and a right knowledge of God. If you are living to God, then you do know theology. Then you are wise. You're wise concerning divine matters. And if you've become wise to these things of God, then that means you have experienced the grace of God in your life because it comes to us from God. It means that you're a Christian. And so maybe one of the questions you need to ask yourself, especially for young people, I'm not aware of everyone's situation here, but maybe if you're a young person and you've come to live for God through Jesus Christ, you need to ask yourself if you should be baptized because that means you're a Christian. It means you're a true theologian. Jesus is the one who makes his disciples. He says, learn from me. That word for learn is the same word to make disciples in, in the Great Commission. Monthano, to make disciples. You learn from me. Christians who follow Christ, they obey him and they are baptized. They're baptized into his local church. You're a true theologian if you're a Christian. Again, all of life is theological. Don't think from this discussion that theology is reserved to the classroom. I'm trying to show you how practical it is. The theology is not reserved for the seminary, for the classroom. Theology is taught in the home. It's taught in the church. It's taught in the seminary too, for sure. But in the church and in the home with your family, you're being taught theology and fathers have a responsibility, mothers have a responsibility to teach theology to their children. When you hear a sermon, when you, brothers and sisters, in the next hour, we're going to, we are going to sing praises to God. But Paul tells us that when we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, we're not just singing praises to God. Yes, we are. God is the audience. 
but we're singing songs, instructing one another. We're doing theology when we're, when we're singing. We're doing theology in the worship service, not just, not just listening to the sermon. It's all about God and all things in relation to God. And it's all unto God. Theology, our lives as true theologians, everything must be unto God. Everything must be unto God. And so from this discussion, I'd, I would commend two very good and simple definitions for theology. Theology is the wisdom of divine matters, namely God and all things in relation to God. And also this one from Petrus von Maastricht. Theology is the doctrine of living for God through Jesus Christ. Well, we have about, I'm going to take about five more minutes. I want to look at just a couple texts. Well, maybe we'll just look at one text. I had some more prepared to say, but let's just look at one text. I, I told you I wanted to answer the question, why does theology matter? I hope that we've answered that. I, I believe we've answered that. I hope that you, you've seen that. But I want to look at one text from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. If you, if you would, turn with, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Let me get there. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. If the Apostle Paul, let me say this first. If the Apostle Paul was going to tell you the entire purpose of his ministry, the, the purpose of his teaching, theology, would you want to hear it? I would. This is what Paul gives us in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. He tells us the purpose. He says this in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. I want to stop there. Paul says the purpose, the goal, the aim of, of our instruction of our commandment, of our charge, is love. You see, truth, theology, it's, it's for love. The goal of theology is God. We've said that, but the goal, approximate goal of our theology is love so that we can love God, so that we can love all things in relation to God and use them appropriately. So let me ask you this. Do you want to have better relationships in your life? Do you want to have better relationships with your parents, with your children, with your spouse, your husband, your wife? Do you want to have a better life completely? Do you want to know how to love? Paul says, get theology. You want to know how to love, you get theology, you get wisdom. And we said you get it from the word of God. Again, theology is doctrine according to godliness. And Paul tells us in Romans 13, verse 10, he tells us that love is the fulfillment of the law. Theology, the purpose of our theology is love, and love is the fulfillment of the law. How are we to be better Christians? Get theology. Study theology. Study God. 
Study what he said to us, what he has revealed to us about himself and about all things. Again, why does theology matter? It matters for everything. Theology has something to say about everything. I hope this is encouraging to you, brothers and sisters. I hope you can meditate on this and be encouraged. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll pray also for the next hour. Our God and our Father, how we thank you for theology. How we thank you, God, that you have revealed yourself to us in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to accomplish salvation, that, that great plan of redemption in the eternal counsel of the triune God. Christ has now come in the fullness of time to accomplish salvation for us, for sinners. And we thank you, Father, that you have revealed yourself to us personally by the work of your Spirit. God, we thank you for theology. We thank you for the knowledge of God that we can come to you and, and know you rightly. We thank you, God, for making yourself known to us, making your, your will known to us, your law, which is written on our hearts. You have now, you have now, expressly set it down in your word for us to read and to understand and to know. And we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who came and fulfilled that law perfectly, who was the perfect theologian, the divine mediator, divine human mediator of theology to us. How we thank you for him. God, give us a greater measure of knowledge and wisdom. Give us greater wisdom as we contemplate you in all things in relation to you. And now we pray, Father, for the next hour that you would bless us as we come to worship you. We pray that you would be blessed by our worship, our reading of your word, reading of theology, our singing of theology, the preaching of theology. Oh God, bless us this next hour as we come and worship you and give you thanks and praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.